Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 9th of April 2013. Newcomers, I always make sure you you know that there's CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. You should make good use of it because there's lots and lots of audios for free download there. And uh, I go through the system, the system you're born into, how it works and so on. And I dispel the myths of the fact that we're just evolving socially uh, as we go along, stumbling along through time. And to show you that big powerful people who run massive foundations comprise a parallel government, the real government in fact they even put their own members into it into the regular governments and they run the world this, this public-private partnership deal was it's an old, old idea of course and the whole idea was that the new feudal system was to be brought in and the feudal system is really run by the CEOs of massive international corporations they call it governance you see and together, collectively, they're the governance of the planet, and that's how it works. And all, along with that, too, comes the governance of all of you, and how much shares of the energy and all that you get down the road, how much you'll pay for it all in different regions of the world, because it's a global society now, and the boys who've been planning this run, oh, eons actually, have pretty well pulled it off. Most folk don't know it yet, or the rest simply don't care. So I have to show the websites, as I say, they all carry transcripts as well in English for to, to, for, for print up, or you can go into Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu for transcripts and other languages of some of the talks that I've given over the years. And I always say this too at the start, rather than pester you all the way through it, that you are the audience that bring me to you. You can keep me going by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com or donating. And from the US to Canada, remember you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders from the post office to Canada. And you can uh, send cash or use PayPal and across the world, Western Union Monogram and PayPal. Remember, straight donations are awfully welcome in these days of quantitative easing, which is a new name for inflation. As we get taught to go into austerity uh, in order to make the richer richer. <laughs> so that's the world we're really living in. It's quite simple, really. And it's all run by deception. And every class, uh, and the people at the top, you know, they're very practical and pragmatic. They, they talk about classes openly. Every class is completely catered to uh, for the kind of things that you watch, uh, even the media, uh, certain magazines for different classes, even the ones that uh, work in your capital uh, cities where government uh, resides and so on, and they get their own magazines too. So everyone's being fed the, the proper stuff, all they need to know for their particular category in order to run the world. But of course, they don't need to know any more than that, because above them is a much, much bigger system, way more advanced too, that is way ahead of it all. And everything that happens in your life, everything that happens from, from major uh, crashes of banks, worldwide, things like that. These are all planned years in advance, just like the wars are too. And they have more wars to go. Of course, they've already said that perpetual war is the way it's going to be for a generation or two. 
until they standardize the last few countries across the world into the one system of massive debt by putting in a central bank, private bank, and bringing IMF, and then all the United Nations treaties has to be signed for them until in the same boat as everybody else. That's a standardization in the world. And then it's much easier for the global giants to, to control all of the world and all of us into the, in their beautiful, wonderful system and utopia for themselves. Not for the rest, but for themselves. But mind you, a lot of folk like socialism, as it's generally called, very loosely called socialism or communist or collectivism for the bottom rung of the ladder. That's most of the people live in the bottom rung. And uh, most of them are quite happy with it, especially the young ones. They've been trained since a very early age to accept it and to be basically not even involved, irresponsible. They don't like privacy, things like that. They're already trained. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and as I say, most folk never figure out the system at all, they're quite happy, in fact, they don't see any question, uh, or reasons to question it, I should say, and so they grow up that way, because everyone around them has grown up in the same way, they've all had the same indoctrination at school, they all have been taught to play lots of electronic games and so on, and play around with Facebooks and Facebook and all the rest of stuff and just play themselves away. And unfortunately, they're growing into adults with the same mentality. They're not meant to mature. And that's part of the new system or the new society. If you have a, a society that really is not involved or caring about what's happening uh, and the real reasons for things happening, then those it makes the job of those who manage you all much, much easier because the rest of them are out of the picture. They're not involved. And that, of course, is what... Um, Bertrand Russell talked about, that's what Aldous Huxley talked about, and even in his preface of his, uh, his book, uh, Brave New World, Huxley said that, uh, in his second one, that uh, he predicted the whole future, basically, that uh, uh, within, within a generation, marriage would be all pretty well over and done with, because that was one part of the big global agenda, destruction of the family unit. And then he went into that the different uh, things would happen. Sexual promiscuity would become quite natural because it would be pushed and promoted from the top, which it has been and now isn't it quite natural. And um, all the things that he talked about really were there. But he also talked about the fact that people would be, be taught through specialized techniques to come to love their servitude. Now, most folk don't even think of themselves as servants. And uh, and yet lots of front organizations that keep them in that position too. They join various unions and things. They join different organizations. And they think they've got a say in what happens in the world. But they really don't at all. And that's part of the new governance. You give them the illusions of things, but in reality, they have no say in anything whatsoever. Because everything is planned by an elite at the top that you don't elect. You don't elect them at all. And if you take this governance thing on the whole, from smart grids and IBM to all the international corporations that are working on together on this system of governance, as they call it, you don't elect any of them. And, of course, they, they also work closely with governments so they can put through the correct policies to allow them to operate freely and be part of this whole governance structure. So economics is still running the day, of course, and that's why it's run by those who are into economics at the top. And some people, ancient times even, some people always thought about just enslaving people and getting slaves to work. 
and they once thought about getting armies together. Once there was money came in, you could hold an army together for a long time, and you could pay them. And you'd conquer and slaughter people and enslave them too, and have them pay tribute to you. Other ones decided it was much easier to simply run the money system altogether, and you'd conquer all of the previous ones I've just mentioned. You'd be at the top of the tree. And that's the way it really has been for thousands of years. And most folk never figure it out. But as I say, um, we've never seen a, a time when youngsters have had such an incredible indoctrination in school. Uh, it's mainly political, mainly political correctness for all the things that the, their, the, their owners, and I call them owners, want them to be and to believe in. And they're all multicultural believers and so on. Sometimes even to their detriment when it doesn't work out. In some countries it's not working out. There's a lot of violence and so on. And even then you'll see these people turning the other cheek, thinking it's all wonderful, it's all going to, all the nasty stuff's going to pass. They've been brainwashed, in other words. And they can't reason uh, past their indoctrination. So it works very, very well. So we're going to a, a massive change, the big, big change for globalization. It's been on the go for a long time, as I say. And even writers before World War II, they helped kick off this move towards integration and globalization. Uh, writers even before World War I, like H.G. Wells, who, who was, went through both of them, at least writing propaganda for, for the masters, he talked about it. He said, we need world wars to make it all happen, to cow all the people and the nations on their knees until they give up their old system and all of their freedoms and allow themselves to be run properly by experts. And then at the end of World War One, he really thought, like many of them did, that the League of Nations would become a world government. But again, other countries were suspicious of it because it was unelected. It was set itself, basically. And it had all the plans then to bring in world banking and run the world's money and so on and so on. So H.G. Wells talked, said, well, we need another world war. And so they got that, too. And then they brought up the United Nations out of the League of Nations. And at the end of that, uh, they got all the top uh, signatories, all the prime ministers and presidents across most of the world to sign on to it. And they basically sold away their sovereignty right there. And they could never ever, uh, um, and basically it was treasonous because they didn't have permission to sign away sovereignty from the people for those countries that thought that they were democratic, for instance, or even republican. So the plan went on to start amalgamating uh, countries into into giant trading blocks, as I mentioned this before, and the Royal Institute of International Affairs was the primary mover and shaker behind all of that. In fact, they were behind a lot of the wars too. And uh, their branch in the, in the U.S. was at the CFR at that time. Now they have branches across the whole world in every country. And they always make sure that it's one of their boys or girls at the top that get in to, to lead countries. It doesn't matter if it's left-wing or right-wing. They ha- they've always been members of this one organization for pretty well 100 years now. So you're, you're living through a planned society and a planned future and so on, including the crashes, including the training you into austerity and, and, and all the rest of it. Now, the other thing, too, is the whole idea and value of value of education has been turned upside down, too with a lot of the old occupations going down the drain because you can't compete. In fact, if you can pay your way through university today, you're awfully lucky and get a job afterward. You're even luckier. And, uh, and of course, with the, with now you're competing against lots of uh, foreign people coming in too with maybe more degrees than you have, and they get first dibs at jobs and so on. Other ones too are simply going in to make money for the future, but the smarter ones who smell the wind, of course, and they go into either governmental positions or bureaucratic positions for a safe, cushy life, 
or they become uh, NGOs, non-governmental organizations, authorized by the big foundations, and they have to be for radical change. All the old system has to be demolished. That's a whole culture. Everything that the Frankfurt School talked about had to be completely destroyed and demolished, and we're pretty well there, in fact, to bring in the new system. So they have a great career, a good, very, very well-paying career, by the way, in these NGOs. They're not hard work at all either. They travel over the world and, and luxury and go to lots of meals and lunches and things like that. So it's not hard at all. So the wise ones go into these kind of jobs, and the rest of them are either floundering or end up with two or three jobs on the go at the same time. And that's what it is to be for the Western countries for a long, long time to come. And talking of these NGOs and charities, because charities are a great front for many, many things. And remember, the first organizations that set themselves up to bring in this world global system were set up by international moneylenders who formed the Royal Institute of International Affairs, again, a private organization that has more say than any other organization on the planet. And, uh, and they formed their foundations, the front foundations as charitable philanthropic organizations, multi-trillion dollar companies too. And they spend billions each per year with their armies of NGOs that lobby governments. And the governments are all told they're going to be lobbied. And then they turn around after they sign agreements or change laws and say, well, the people have spoken. And this is the new democracy. NGOs are the new democracy, you see. The rest of you don't count. All you have to do is vote for phase one, two, or three. That's, that's your job. And that's because agenda rolls on. As I mentioned before, that socialism was to be the big stick to bring most of the people in the, in the first world countries down on their knees into this um, collectivist society. And it's pretty well there. Britain, it's already on the go, of course. It's a call it devolution of government. In other words, powers of government devolving down to the local level, and they've got the ready-made NGO commissars uh, who are unelected too, stepping up and running the people's lives for them. And that's the big step up over the next 20 years or so as they get taught to obey under this new collectivist Soviet-type system how it's supposed to be. And most of them will accept it and adapt it, adapt it quite naturally, actually. Because that's human nature today. And uh, other charities too, are heavily involved in making lots of money because charities have always been the con game of making lots and lots of money. Remember when you start up a foundation or a big, big charity uh, and then you get tax-free status then and get lots of awards from foundations and grants and so on, uh, there's no law against how much you can pay the top people. And they end up getting as much as prime ministers and presidents, often more, under the guise of charities, you see. And then there's no, there's no stipulation either how much money they must spend on the actual charity itself. But most of them are really political and they're worked and collude with the big businesses that help fund them. But here's one here. It says RSBPP, that's called RSPB, makes a killing for wind farm giants behind turbines and accused of destroying rare birds. It says so that, so this, this, this organization RSPB is making hundreds of thousands of pounds from the wind industry despite the, the, the turbines killing millions of birds. And it shows you, actually there's pictures too, where you'll see the stacks of birds underneath them, all dead. It says, golden eagles, hen carriers, corn, buntings, and other rare and threatened species are especially at risk. It says, yet in its latest partnership deal, the bird charity receives £60 for every member who signs up to a dual fuel account with wind farm developer. Ecotricity is called. 
It also receives £40 each time a customer opens an account with Tridios Bank, which finances renewable industry projects, including wind turbines. This is in a previous partnership with Southern and Scottish Electricity, which invests in wind and other renewable energy. RSPB admits to having made £1 million over 10 years. That's just one, or just one side of its organisation. The charity claims that wind farms play an important role in the battle against climate change, which poses the single greatest long-term threat to birds and wildlife, they say, and that wind turbines cause only significant detrimental effects when poorly sighted. But the critics argue there's no such thing as well-sighted wind farms, and the charity has been taken over by green zealots. No, I call it green greedy zealots, because most of them are folks out there. Self-interest. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and this article here too talks about um, the big system in a sense, because it says that Putin in Russia, Vladimir Putin, offers a three-month offshore tax cheat amnesty, and says there can be no untouchables. Now, most folk don't know that in the mid-80s, the KGB, you know, the Politburo's in Moscow had massive meetings to do with the future of the Soviet Empire. And they knew then that they were going down the tubes, they couldn't compete in the arms race and so on. And they also knew that uh, their own industry at home was becoming a shambles. Folk weren't working, you went to work and they pretend to pay you and you would pretend to work. That's what happens when there's no incentive in a communist society. And the ones at the top uh, were living so well and high and mighty off the people at the bottom uh, that all the farce off were all the same in equality. It was just a farce and everyone knew it so it didn't work hard at all. So they put in billions and billions of pounds, or, 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 or I should say dollars, because they had lots of American dollars through special deals that go way back to before World War II. And they put them in offshore accounts across the world, including Cyprus, by the way, and other countries too, and tax havens. But also the, the idea was that the top communists would move out and move communists into the West. Now going back to the Rees Commission, I've mentioned that many times back in the 1950s, they talked about um, Norman Dodd and so on was had an inquiry on behalf of Congress to find out why the big foundations were supporting and paying what it seemed to be communist fronts. And it isn't until we get into the Council on Foreign Relations, Royal Institute of International Affairs, and their own historian, Professor Carl Quigley, they said that we were often mistaken by the right wing as being a, a communist organization because many of the, the programs were the same. In fact, all of them were the same, actually. You must bring in communism to bring in collectivism, to bring in this new world order system, you see. So anyway, they're told too during that commission, that inquiry, uh, that the job of the Soviet Union in America were to merge eventually down the road. The complete Sovietization of the system, the communistic, collectivistic system would be taught in schools to children, has been for years now. And uh, we're all the same, we're all equal, blah, 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 all that stuff. And that's all happened, it's, it's come to pass. However, uh, again, the top Politburo stayed on after the so-called collapse of the Soviet Union. It wasn't a collapse, as you think of it at all, it was a planned thing. Even Lenin said it, that communism would last for maybe, or the dictatorship would last for maybe a generation. And then uh, the Soviet system would become something else, not quite capitalist, not quite communist. 
and now you've got it now, you know what it is today, it's a new feudalistic um, system at the top that runs over the collectivist societies across the world. That's what it is. So, it says, this is what he says, this is the nationalization of the elite, he says. It says, as how one Kremlin uh, described Putin's new policy, it says, it says, for years the elite saw Russia as a hunting ground. They would keep them, their money and live somewhere else. But no more, as the FD reports, Putin has, inject, has moved to inject some moral fiber into the country's top-level bureaucrats and state employees by giving them a three-month deadline to close their foreign bank accounts. Now, that, that's also helping to cry some of the banks, by the way, and, and divest themselves of offshore assets. Or face the sack. It says there's a sort of algorithm in Russia for civil servants. You stash a lot of money abroad, send your family to live there, and then when you retire, you join them. This new legislation will put a question mark next to the career plan of a generation of top-level people. Putin's new decree makes it clear. It says there are no untouchables and there cannot be any, he says. So it says... um, According to a new presidential decree signed on Tuesday, thousands of Russian civil servants will have until July the 1st to file declarations of income and assets, which will be subject to stringent checks. No one would be above the law, said Sergei Ivanov, Mr. Putin's chief of staff, and anyone caught still in possession of the prohibited assets would be instantly dismissed. And so it's on the go, as I say. And that's how, again, some of the, 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 the banks are teetering across the world because massive money has been pulled out by those in Russia. Now, Russia also has a massive crime mob. I mean, they call it the Red Mafia. It's a, a book called The Red Mafia. It's really, really worth reading because the Red Mafia uh, was described at one time, even back in the 80s, by the FBI and CIA. As this could be more dangerous than the old Soviet system. They're so organized, this mob, and they're worldwide. They're across Israel and different countries across the world. And, uh, and they've got lots of islands and places where they bring in drugs and massive uh, contraband stuff. Uh, it's, you couldn't believe this. It's way beyond the old mafia, the old Italian mafia. This is a different kind of mafia. And high-tech, too, is. So a lot of them are still, are still based in headquarters in Russia. Some are in New York, some are in L.A. and different places. But there's a lot of them still in Russia proper. And, uh, of course, we'll see what happens here with, because I'm sure they won't declare their cash to anybody. But, uh, as I say, it's astonishing to find out that, that book in Red Mafia, uh, that, that the CIA actually said that this is a worse threat than anything else, than any terrorism threat or anything, that this is a, such a huge organization of mobsters, professionals. And, and and their sons now in second generation are going into the top levels of finance and getting into countries and, and up and working in their, their their banks like their federal banks. For those who don't know that, it's been happening for quite a long time. It actually explains an awful lot. So if you can get a hold of that, uh, good luck to you. It's a good read, quite interesting, quite fascinating. And then we'll go into the propaganda movies from the Pentagon after I come back from this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix, and 
It's no surprise. I've done many talks before about Hollywood and the Pentagon and the special relationship that they have and have had from the beginning, in fact, to put out war movies in preparation to go to war with whomever it happens to be at the time. And um, I might even put up the link tonight again about real bad Arabs and how Hollywood portrayed them for oh, general, about a general generation, at least maybe even longer, in preparation for all the, the Gulf Wars they're going to have uh, long, long ago. And this is how they always do things. They, and so most folk are, are actually conditioned through fiction today. In fact, most of the folk get their history through fiction, believe it or not. So they have no history at all. It's all fiction. But out comes uh, this, all this palaver about uh, Korea. Korea has this sort of thing every every year when the, when the U.S. has its naval exercises off there and so on. It's been blown out of proportion, of course. And even the translations have been faulty. They've come out of North Korea on purpose faultily, of course. And, of course, even the South Koreans aren't really bothered that much about it because they're so used to it. But right on time, and, and this is a, this came out in Canada. It's obviously in the States, but it came out in Canada. Uh, and uh, it came out on the 22nd of March, 2013, just in time for this whole North Korean thing. And it's called Olympus Has Fallen, uh, made in 2013. And it's about um, terrorists that get into the White House to kidnap the president and so on. And guess who's behind it? It's a, it's a North Korean terrorist group. Wow, what a coincidence, eh? And that's all I'll say on that one. <laughs> I guess you got all the money from the Pentagon. And also, too, in a little old New Zealand, that's also to get part, be part of the big uh, satrapy empire of China, as Australia is, too. The Prime Minister promises to clear up any doubt about the spy agency role, it says, because... The spy agency has been getting into everybody's uh, uh, electronics and so on and finding out all about every single person in New Zealand, uh, way, way beyond all of their rights and, and legal rights and so on. And uh, I think this is a natural thing to do. You get a bunch of young folk, give them uh, carte blanche and away they go. And it's always afterwards they come out and start to pretend to rein it in a little bit. Of course they're going to go into everybody's... The whole point of the New World Order is so everyone's monitored 24 hours a day. There's no secrecy at all allowed if you're an ordinary person. If you're a VIP running these agencies, you won't even be on Facebook. You won't find anything on these folk at all. Different, different. Uh, see, utopia is awfully different. This utopia that they're bringing in, and it's, um, some are more equal than others in such utopias, said George Orwell. And also, too, new frontier of resource wealth beckons the Chinese in its northwest territories of Canada. I'll put that up tonight too. And they're really looking at all the global mining sectors and so on. And so China again is moving big time into, into Canada and different areas, of course. This article here is interesting. It says, this is from India, or Indiana, it says. It says, uh, neuroscience is exploding in Indiana. This is the director of an undergraduate pro- uh, program at UI, IUPUI. It says, recent developments in, uh, highlight the growth of potential for high-paying research and medical jobs in the neuroscience sector. And Stephen Bohm's statement comes in the heels of President Obama's proposing a $100 million initiative to make research on the brain a national priority. Now, this is a big deal, this, this mapping the brain, uh, as they call it. It's the last frontier, remember, is your, your mind. And they want to get, uh, basically to find out where every thought can come from, where, where it's located, what, what neurons are in effect. And so what dendrites are in effect, et cetera, et cetera, what chemicals are at work. 
in order to control all of us down the road. That's just a big, big thing. I mean, this is a military-industrial complex in this, folks. MSC tells businesses of uh, health reporter Barbara Lewis research, education, clinical practice careers related to neuroscience and says they're exploding in Indiana. And um, it says neuroscience touts several other unique to, to the region features, including National Parkinson's Foundation Center of, of Care, Huntington's Disease Society of America Center of Excellence, and ALS Association Certified Center. That's the front. They always give you fronts to help people. They've always done this stuff. DARPA's buying this too, remember. Heavily involved. It says U.S. Department of Labor Statistics projects a 36% increase nationally in employment in the field between now and 2020. If we want to make the best products, we also have to invest in the best ideas. Every dollar we invest to map the human uh, genome returned $140 to the economy. Today our scientists are mapping the human brain to unlock the answers. It's not to Alzheimer's, folks. It's not for that. It says, now is not the time to gut these job-creating investments in science and innovation. Now is the time to reach a level of research and development not seen since the height of the space race. That's what Barack Obama says in 2013, State of the Union. And it says, today at White House event, the President unveiled a bold new research initiative designed to revolutionize our understanding of the human brain, launched with approximately $100 million in the President's fiscal year 2014 budget. The brain and brain research through advancing innovation neurotechnologies. So that's, that's your, that's your B-R-A-I-N, right? Initiative ultimately aims to help researchers find new ways to treat, cure, and even prevent brain disorders. As to, well, if, if, actually, if you've a thought of your own, you, it'll be classified as a disorder. I'm not kidding you folks. This is what's all behind it. And say DARPA's heavily, heavily involved. I'll put the whole article up for you to research. Actually, it mentions it too. It says, key investments to jumpstart the effort are from the National Institutes of Health, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA, and the National Science Foundation, etc., etc. So they're all chipping a lot of cash into this whole thing. And some of the top universities are involved in it too. But that's the final frontier. That's the real final frontier. And this article too is from Forbes, and it's talking about some quantitative easing and how it only benefits the, the nation's wealthiest people. Well, of course it does, because they always make sure that they, they looked after whenever they make a decision that affects the country. That, that first of all, is to make sure they're okay and going to keep living in good comfort and high on the hog. But I'll put this up, and it's got, it mentions uh, Bernanke and Polson and Geithner and all these different people involved in, in this kind of stuff that they're doing right now with quantitative easing, which is inflation. That's a term for inflation. And uh, how it's good for you. Inflation is good for you as your dollar drops in value and purchasing power. It's good for you. Now again, two part of the whole, and it's, it's no surprises again, when you've read all the old books to do with the coming societies going back from 1920s to the present, because all the, all the top reporters of the time who were involved with the big institutions and, and uh, foundations that were bringing this because they brought the whole culture industry in, and this kind of culture to suit themselves. Uh, massive promiscuity, but no children. That was to be the, that was part of their motto at one time. And it's already here, of course, been here for quite some time. But uh, now the, a U.S. judge has lifted the morning after pill age limit, so you can buy it, I guess, over the counter. And this is a, it's been approved by the FDA since 1999 under certain restrictions, but now it's been done away with. So a U.S. federal judge has ordered the government to make the morning pill available over the counter to girls of all ages within 30 days. 
Judge Edward Corman said uh, such a decision by the U.S. Health Secretary to limit over-the-counter purchases of the drug to those 17 and older was capricious. Reproductive Rights Group, which uh, brought the case, called the ruling a victory for women. (laughs) And a U.S. government lawyer said it was concerning legal options. Anyway, uh, this is how things are happening now. Laws can change by by the by the courts, just a high court judge, and that's it. And you and it changes the whole country in some ways. Uh, also tonight too, it's a good article. Um, it says mind control experiment lets users wag a rat's tail just by using brain power. And researchers connect a human uh, to a rat via a computer without the need for brain implants. And then he dies. Rat was uh, hooked up to a device to fire its neurons remotely. It could be used to teach paralyzed patients to use their limbs again. That's what it's really for. You know, know they've they've really cared about disabled people for an awful long time in the military-industrial complex. You know that, don't you? eh? And so it was done at Harvard, this experiment, and it says it paves the way for mind-control systems. And researchers even hope that a similar system could be used to teach paralyzed patients to move their limbs again. Well, I'll tell you, you can imagine giving this kind of power to the cops. They'll just stop you from even moving again. In the first uh, experiment of its type, researchers have been able to control the wagging of the rat's tail by a human. And uh, the human volunteers wore electrode caps that monitored their brain activity using electroencephalography, EEG. Across the lab, an anesthetized rat was hooked up to a device that made the creature's neurons fire when it was delivered an ultrasonic pulse to the rat's motor cortex. Soon, Shik Yu of Harvard Medical School in Boston and colleagues have created a system that connects a human to the rat via the computer. And it says, um, when monitoring the human brain's activity, uh, the researchers looked for specific EEG patterns to note, uh, which note to correspond to visual stimulation. As the volunteers watched the strobe light blinking on a computer screen, the EEG wave synchronized to match the frequency of the strobe. But, but, but when they changed to con- uh, concentrate on moving the rat's tail, the change in their focus, focus disrupted the EEG, triggering a signal to be sent to the computer. The computer translated the signal into an ultrasonic pulse, which stimulated the rat's co- motor cortex, causing its tail to move. Using the system, all six of the volunteers were able to trigger movement in the rat's tail with little difficulty, and the system was 94% accurate. Professor Yu says it should be possible for two humans to use a similar system in the foreseeable future. I bet one day they'll build it into your little Google glasses and that too, and you walk down the street and you can, then you become immobilized because you've, you've, you're, you're jaywalking or something, and the cops have seen you. But they're really moving ahead and, and they're mapping the brain, and here they go with the next part of it too. Quite simple stuff, really. And predictable stuff. And also, too, as we go into the, the, the mass lunacy, of course, uh, because to destroy society completely, you must go into mass lunacy. Things that make no sense at all to the general population, except cause frustration and loss of property and various other things. This is in Maryland residents, Maryland residents, it says, to pay new rain tax for rain that falls on their property. This is the Maryland, Maryland government under direct orders of Obama and the EPA will now begin taxing the state's 10 largest counties according to the rain that falls on their property and the impervious surfaces on their land. And it says, uh, yesterday it was reported that Wesley Snipes was finally released from prison after a 73-year sentence from refusing to pay the government extortion racket known as taxation. 
If you had a difficult time seeing through the scam of taxation with that story, hopefully this one can show you how taxation is blatant theft and thuggery. Well, of course it is. The whole system is based on gangs. It's always been based on gangs. It doesn't matter what you call the system. It's gangs at the top. And then more gangs down below that work for them. And every gang, if it knows its place, will work in harmony with other gangs. And then people at the bottom are the ones who produce all the energy through through money and taxation and labor. That's the system of the world, folks. It says 10 Maryland countries, uh, countries, including the one that they live in, will now be taxing people for how much rainfalls in their property and how much the area is paid on their property and how big their deck is will be primary factors in the new taxation scheme. This is back in 2010, the Obama administration's Environmental Protection Agency ordered Maryland to reduce stormwater runoff into the Chesapeake Bay so that nitrogen levels fall 22% and phosphorus falls 15% from current amounts. The price tag for this is $14.8 billion. And where do we get the $14.8 billion? By taxing so-called impervious surfaces, anything that prevents rainwater from seeping into the earth, such as roofs, driveways, patios, sidewalks, etc., thereby causing water storm runoff. In other words, a rain tax. And who levies the new tax? When it's out taxation like rain trickles down through the various pervious levels of government until it reaches the impervious level, which is me and you. And so the EPA ordered Maryland to raise the money, which is an unfunded mandate, and Maryland ordered its 10 largest counties to raise the money, another unfunded mandate, and now each of those counties is putting a local rain tax in place by July the 1st. So if you live in Montgomery, Prince George's, Howard, uh, Anne, uh, Anne Arundel, Carroll, Harford, Charles, Frederick, Baltimore, counties that are Baltimore City, you'll be paying a rain tax on your next property bill. That article goes on to explain the government will survey people's property using drones and satellite imagery. And it says homeless will bear the brunt of the rent tax of the $14.8 billion to be raised. $482 million each until 2025, but three quarters will come from residential property owners. The rate is expected to start at $100 a year for most owners, although that could rise. The only rain tax shelter is credits and exemptions for property owners who follow stormwater best practices. How the money will be spent is another murky situation. So there you go, folks. Now, I know that we're doing that in some other U.S. states as well, actually. Uh, and they're even hitting guys in the country for for having too too large a roof, things like that. And again, the United Nations organization that monitors all this stuff, no kidding, because the money gets fed back to them too. Also tonight, I'll put up a link to Kissinger Cables, WikiLeaks publishes 1.7 million U.S. diplomatic documents from 1970s. And uh, it gives you the links too, so you can actually look some of them up for yourselves to see what would be Kissinger talked about back then. And also an article too about Julian Assange from someone who used to uh, really admire him. In fact, they bailed him out of prison at one point. But it says, they're actually seen that Julian Assange, it says from Jason Byrne from the Bourne Identity movie to L. Ron Hubbard. The WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange is transforming from Jason Byrne into L. Ron Hubbard, the former supporter Jemima Khan has said. This is Assange, who has spent the last seven months holed up in the Ecuadorian embassy in London after losing his battle against extradition, has let his rock star status go to his head and believes he's above the law and exempt from criticism, she claimed 
Once akin to the on-the-run film hero played by Matt Damon, he now risks becoming an Australian version of the founder of the Church of Scientology, the daughter, the daughter of billionaire Sir James Goldsmith wrote in The New Statesman. Can, who is associate editor of the magazine, remembered when she first saw the infamous 2010 video of U.S. troops killing down civilians in Iraq. She wrote, I jokingly asked if Assange was the new Jason Byrne on the run and persecuted by the state. It would be a tragedy if a man who has done so much good were to end up by tolerating only disciples and unwavering devotion, and more like Australian Ellen Elron Hubbard. And, well, who knows? I mean, there's more to all this than meets the eye, and... And, I, I, you know, you have to be suspicious of everything. Everything. Well, even if folk that come out there as heroes, you have to be awfully careful. Awfully careful. You just don't know. And even in Israel, some of them at the top tycoons are moving to London because I guess they'll get into more cash with the European grants that are all getting thrown all over the place if you've got lots of big businesses. It says, I didn't offer the world's richest Israeli with fortunes estimated at $6.5 billion dollars is expected to leave the Jewish state and relocate to England, and you'll pay much less tax there. That's the excuse he's given. It's actually cheaper tax, even though it's high for folk who live in Britain. You'll pay much less tax there, because if you're big corporations, they actually give you a lot less tax. You get massive reductions, as opposed to the ordinary person. Ah, dear. Not bad, eh? Back with more after this break. through the matrix and also it's also amazing too but we've heard about all the harp technologies and how they can cause earthquakes etc and even when uh, they invaded Iraq the British and American troops and the British to the south I think it was the city of Bam had a big earthquake too just on cue at that time as well but here's one hitting uh, Iran now and it says Iran earthquake strikes near the nuclear plant at least 30 people were killed as a 6.3 magnitude earthquake strikes near Bashir in the south of the country. And it says at least 30 have been killed and hundreds injured in the earthquake that struck near Bashir. It says the epicenter of the quake was Khaki, which is 60 miles south of Bashir, home to the country's only nuclear power station. The Russian company that built the plant said the quake had been felt there, but operations had not been affected. It says that the earthquake has no way affected the normal situation in the reactor and so on. So it hasn't harmed it, it says here. So that's quite amazing that, um, as I say, we, we live in a, a time where <laughs> sciences are so advanced. Uh, even what they give you, what they hand out to the papers, the newspapers, like today there's one about the U.S. ships, uh, naval ships getting, uh, testing out their na- new laser weapon, right, their tube lasers. They can blast drones out of the sky and all that. And um, when they publish it for you to know, then it's, it's almost obsolete, I'm not kidding you. They've got scientists way, way above that. If you even read in, uh, Kissinger's book too, or Brzezinski's book, I should say, it was between two ages. And he talks about uh, the technotronic era. And eventually it says, uh, using radio frequencies and electrofrequencies and sort of harp-type technologies, they'll be able, able to control the minds of people across whole continents. Whole continents. I was back in the 70s who wrote that too. Now he was the head of the NSA at the time, so he should know what he was talking about. He was way up yonder, high up in the military industrial complex. 
So the harp technologies they're using, yeah, they can, they can cause uh, earthquakes, and that was admitted way back in the 70s during the international treaty to do with weather warfare weaponry at the United Nations. They've been signing agreements ever since. Back then, they admitted they already could cause earthquakes using that, this high rural altitude research programs, things like that. So, we do live at the lowest level of reality at the bottom. And we believe we're in the cutting edge because they churn things out in the magazines and the media tells you, oh, they've got a new laser weapon. They've had the laser weapons for years. And also, too, Holmes' doctor, you know, the shooter at Colorado Theatre, it says uh, his doctor warned the police before the Colorado theater attack. So the University of Colorado psychiatrist told campus police a month before the Aurora movie theater attack that James Holmes had homicidal thoughts and was a public danger, according to records unsealed Thursday. Now, why would they keep this quiet all this time? Why? Why didn't they tell the public right away this guy was, you know, he was seeing a psychiatrist. We knew that he was seeing a psychiatrist, and they clamped down for a while until now. And of course, do you want to find out what we're treating them with and why and what kind of psychiatrist was this and what connections do the psychiatrists have to the military boys? Because they often do, do with these shooters, you know. They generally do, in fact. And, and all the countries involved with these, these lone shooters, you always find it's generally someone involved with the military in some capacity or other. Quite amazing, isn't it? But of course, uh, most will want to, you know, believe in the coincidental theory of history. Well, from Hamish, myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your God, go with you.